Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. Welcome to a Baltimore Ravens edition of the show. Another Baltimore Ravens edition of the show. Obviously, you all know what this show is about. It's about our beloved Baltimore Ravens. So, with that being said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out with, obviously, you guys know what has stood out to me about the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, we all know the Baltimore Ravens pulled off a very big win, a much-needed win this past Tuesday night against the Dallas Cowboys. This game was needed. The Ravens needed to win this game. They had to win this game. And I know what a lot of Ravens fans out there are probably thinking. The Ravens were meant to win this game. The Ravens should have won this game. And yes, but at the same time, here's why the here's why the Baltimore Ravens showed a little glimpse of the 2019 version of the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson only threw the football 17 times in this game. Okay. Yes, Lamar, yes, and I will say this right now, Lamar Jackson needs to work on his inner needs to work on his intermediate passing. He needs to work on his medium route throws. He needs to work on his crossing. He needs to work on his on his out routes, his hitch routes. He need he needs to he needs to work on being more accurate with those throws. But with Lamar Jackson, Lamar came out, he came out with energy, he came out with urgency, and I don't think I've ever seen Lamar Jackson come out with more with more energy and more umph in him than I did in this game this past Tuesday. And not only that, the other thing that factors into this too, the Baltimore Ravens rushed for 294 yards. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys' run defense is the worst in the National Football League. It is god-awful. But with that being said, the Baltimore Ravens truly showed in this game what they're capable of when all three phases of this team shows up. Now, I will admit this. Justin Tucker missing that 36-yard field goal, that had nothing to do with Justin. That had everything to do with the announcer's jinx. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman jinxed them. Normally, when when an announcing team jinxes a kicker, normally that does not end well. And yes, I also will admit, the secondary really didn't play all that well. But, at the but at the end of the day, bottom line, a win is a win, and I, and a lot of people will probably say, well, if you're saying a win is a win for the Ravens, why can't you say a win is a win for Pittsburgh? There's a there's a there's a big difference between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has been playing on the edge the way that they've been playing all year long, so they were meant to lose that game against Washington. With my Baltimore, with the Baltimore Ravens, for me, it's just simply injuries. It's just simply injuries with this football team, and the simple fact that it's gotten to the point where Lamar feels like he has to do more than what he's capable of, and that's not the case. And later on in the episode, I'm going to talk about this receiving core for a second. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk about this receiving core later on in the show. But the way that the Baltimore Ravens played this past Tuesday is a true indication of what they're capable of being in the playoffs. And now one of the thi- one of the things that really that really disappointed me was obviously we all know Des Bryant 
came out in warm-ups, and he ended up testing positive for COVID-19. And he ended up being taken off the field right before the game started. And we all saw what Dez put out on Twitter and things like that. Dez was pissed. He was angry. And I don't blame him for being upset. Dez Bryant was on the Dez Bryant really wanted to go up against his former team. And I honestly think he would have went off in that game. I, I really think he would have. But with that being said, back to the game. This Baltimore Ravens team, Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, Lamar Jackson showed more instinct in this game than probably any other game that he's played in since he's been the starter, or since he became the starter in 2018. When he saw creases to take, when he saw creases to take off and run with it, he did. When, when, when he, when he had a chance to make a big time throw down the field to Hollywood Brown, he did. And I'm getting sick of people saying, oh, Lamar Jackson can't throw. Lamar Jackson can't throw. Lamar Jackson can't throw. Here's what I will say about Lamar Jackson throwing the football. And it's just as simple as this. Lamar Jackson, and he has a tendency to do this a lot, and I've noticed this with him about about him, and I've noticed this with him the last, you know, the last couple of years that I've seen him play. He makes the easy throws look difficult and the difficult throws look easy. That 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 30 plus yard bomb that he threw the Hollywood Brown in the in the back left corner of the end zone, that throw was beautiful. That throw was absolutely beautiful. But he makes the crossing route throws or he makes the 5 to 10 yard in route throws make you know look difficult. And that's what I start to kind of scratch my head with with Lamar. But bottom line is you saw how good Lamar Jackson could be and you saw how good this Ravens offense, you, you, you saw how good Lamar Jackson could be when he just goes out and he plays and he does not think. And you saw how good this Baltimore Ravens football team and this offense can be when they stick to what they do best which is pounding the rock down your throat if the Ravens if and, and the Baltimore Ravens truly need to realize this and I actually think that they have at this point in the season the Ravens have realized you know what when Lamar Jackson and again now the Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Ravens are 22 and five. I'm gonna repeat this again. The Baltimore Ravens are 22 and five when Lamar Jackson throws less than 30 passes in a game. 22 and five now. Okay. If the Baltimore Ravens have to th- have to have to throw for less than 150 yards and rush for damn near 300 yards to beat you, they'll do it. And that's what got them to being 14 and two last year. When Lamar Jackson doesn't think and he just goes out and he plays, you see, you, you get what you you get what you saw this past Tuesday. Now, was everything perfect? Was everything peachy keen? No, it wasn't. No, it was not. But at the end of the day, you saw how good the Baltimore Ravens can be when they play to their full capabilities. You saw how good that can be. Now, I will admit this. Calais Campbell looked a little winded out there, but 
he hadn't played in about three or four games. So his conditioning is not fully back to where it needs to be. Brandon Williams, same thing. So eventually this team will start to get it back. And, this, and, 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 and here's another thing. Clayus Campbell's coming back healthy. Brandon Williams is coming back healthy. Matthew Judon is eventually coming, is going to eventually come back. And I'm going to talk about Matthew Judon coming up very soon. But you're starting to see this team get healthy at the right time. And this Baltimore Ravens squad, and I've said this all year with this football team, it is simply about it's simply it's simply just been it's simply been about injuries. And it's about the simple fact that Lamar Jackson is is trying to do more than what he's capable of, and and I believe those those have been the problems. And I think now, I believe those problems will eventually go away. Am I saying that the Baltimore Ravens will win the Super Bowl? No, I am not. But I am simply saying that the Baltimore Ravens, when they when they get health, when they the fact that they're getting healthy right now and they're getting healthy at the right time. I believe that's scary for the rest of the teams in the AFC, and I believe the Ravens will go on a will go on a deep, deep playoff run. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you guys why Lamar Jackson's legs, not his arm, his legs, will be the reason why the Ravens go very, very far in the playoffs. And also, I'm going to tell you guys why the Baltimore Ravens don't necessarily need a number one wide receiver to win a Super Bowl. That's coming up. Stay tuned, y'all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Obviously, we talked about Lamar Jackson in the previous segment. I want to talk about Lamar Jackson and his legs being the reason why the Ravens will more than likely go far in the playoffs and why his why his arm really won't play that much of a factor in the Ravens going far in the postseason. Here's why I say Lamar Jackson's legs will be more of a factor than his arm. When And I look these numbers up too. When Lamar Jackson runs the football seven or more times in a game, the Ravens are 25-8. and eight. Now, I know I mentioned to you guys earlier in the show that when Lamar Jackson throws the ball less than 30 times in a game, the Ravens are 22-5. and five. But when Lamar Jackson rushes the, rushes the football seven or more times in a game, think about that. The Ravens are 25-8, and eight, meaning not only do you have to deal with Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, but what's even scarier about this Ravens offense is that now you got to deal with the fastest dude on the field and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson rushed 13 times for 94 yards this past Tuesday night against the Cowboys. And that's that's one of the that's one of the reasons why the Ravens rushed for damn near 300 yards. Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson is the major X factor in this Ravens rushing attack. When Lamar Jackson starts running the football and starts going off now you got a serious problem with this offense. Lamar Jack again, Lamar only probably only probably has to make one or two big throws in an entire football game for the Ravens to win. 
but their rushing attack is what is what gets them to the eventual point of winning football games and winning a lot of football games. So like I said before, again, when Lamar Jackson rushes seven times or more in a game, the Ravens are 25 and eight in those games. So that's hit Lamar Jackson's legs, in my opinion, not his arm, not his arm. His legs are going to be the are going to be the reason why the Ravens go far in the playoffs. His his ability to just play and not think, his ability to just play instinctively and not think, which is what which is what he did this past Tuesday, is going to be the reason why the Baltimore Ravens will go far in the playoffs. Again, when Lamar rushes the ball seven times or more in a game, the Ravens are twenty five and eight. Just throwing that out there. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about the Ravens wide receiver uh, wide receiver core for a second. Obviously, we all know Hollywood Brown, Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, Des Bryant came over in free agency, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed. Bottom line is this. A lot of Ravens fans need to understand this. The Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens do not need a big-time number one wide receiver. They don't. They just simply, they just need, they just simply need a complimentary piece to go next to Hollywood Brown. And I say that for this reason: the 2000 Super Bowl, the 2000 Super Bowl season with the with the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, we all know that 2000 season, the Baltimore Ravens had had Quadre Ismael. Travis Taylor, who the Ravens drafted out of Florida that year, Brandon Stokely, and Shannon Sharp at the tight end position, and Jermaine Lewis, who was a Baltimore Raven previously, who they drafted out of Maryland three or four years prior. But here, but the but the the prime the prime statement that I'm going to make here is this: that two thousand during that two thousand Super Bowl season, and this brings me to my point. The leading receiver for that Ravens football team in 2000 was Shannon Sharp at tight end. Shannon Sharp had 67 receptions for 810 yards and five touchdowns. There was no number one wide receiver on that football team. And I know what a lot of Ravens fans are thinking. Well, Jared, the Ravens, that that Ravens team was predicated off of defense and that running game alone. So that really doesn't count. No, it does count. Because the Raven, because I, because I've been hearing for years how the Ravens need to go get a number one wide receiver, go get a number one wide receiver. But the Ravens didn't have that when they won the Super Bowl in 2000. Fast forward to 2012. Another example. Yes, we traded for Anquan Bolden, but Anquan Bolden wasn't even the number one wide receiver in Arizona. Larry Fitzgerald was. When the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012, Anquan Bolden had 65 receptions for 921 yards and four touchdowns. But but here's the thing about that. The ball the Baltimore Ravens have had a history of doing this. Which brings me to other teams that I'm going to bring up in a minute. The Baltimore Ravens have had a history of doing this. Drafting wide receivers, drafting a Torrey Smith. Okay? Drafting a Dennis Pitta, drafting an Ed Dixon and then sprinkling and and then sprinkling and then sprinkling in a couple veteran wide receivers like a Jacoby Jones or like an Anquan Bolden or like they did in 2000 with a Shannon Sharp. 
just like what the Baltimore Ravens are doing right now, drafting a Devin Duvernay, drafting a drafting a Marquise Hollywood Brown, drafting a Miles Boykin, and then sprinkling and then sprinkling in a couple of veteran wide receivers with a Devin Duvernay or with 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 the, with a Willie Sneed and a Des Bryant. This is what the Ravens do. The Baltimore Ravens have won championships off of this recipe. And it's not going to change. The Baltimore Ravens, and here's the Baltimore Ravens have done this for the last 20 years. Going out and going out and drafting wide receivers like a, like a Torrey Smith. And now I will admit there have been some wide receivers that the Ravens have missed on. Marcus Smith. Clarence Moore, Demetrius Williams, Tandon Doss, Aaron Millette. So don't get me wrong. The Ravens have missed on some wide receivers. They've also missed on wide. They've also passed on wide receiver talent. But the Baltimore Ravens have also, like I said before, they've went out and they've drafted a Travis Taylor, drafted a Brandon Stokely, drafted a Torrey Smith. Drafted a Hollywood Brown and a Devin Duvernay and a Miles Boykin and a James Proche, but they but they've also sprinkled in some veterans. But they've also sprinkled in some veterans with a Shannon Sharp, with a T.J. Hushmanzada, with a Lee Evans, with a Anquan Bolden, with a Steve Smith Senior, with a Derek Mason, and now Willie Sneed and Des Bryant. And the Ravens have the Ravens have succeeded with this recipe, and it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Prime, and, and, and as a matter of fact, I can give you guys three more examples. The Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have not spent a dime on a big time free agent wide receiver. Why? Because they do the same damn thing that the Baltimore Ravens do. They go out and they draft their wide receiver talent and they try to develop it to the best of their ability. Brett Favre, Brett Favre, Brett Favre had James Jones, Donald, Brett Favre had James Jones and Donald Driver. But then, but then earlier on in his career, he had Antonio Freeman. Now Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams. He has Alan Lazard. He has Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And the Packers are, and the Packers are succeeding with that formula. Another prime example, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, Big Ben Roethlisberger had Heinz Ward, who they drafted. Santonio Holmes, who they drafted. Antoine Randall, who they drafted. And now Pittsburgh had has Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington and Deontay Johnson. But then also previously, Big Ben has also had Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown. And what has Pittsburgh done since Big Ben has has been there when drafting all of those receivers? They've they've been to three Super Bowls. They've been to three Super Bowls and won two. The only two wide receivers that Pittsburgh has gone that has, has gone out to get in free agency was Dante Moncrief and Jericho Cotri. And neither one of those wide receivers stayed very long in Pittsburgh. And then I get to my prime example, the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs have done the same damn thing that the Baltimore Ravens have done, that the Pittsburgh Steelers have done, and that Green Bay has done. Draft wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Travis Kelsey, and then they sprinkled a veteran in with Sammy Watkins. Bottom line is, the less you spend, the more you win. The more you spend, the less you win.
It's just that damn simple. The Ravens don't need a big-time number one wide out to win a championship. And they don't need one because they've proven that, and, and they've proven with their past history that what they're doing right now and what, and what they've done in the past has worked. And it's not going to change. It's just that simple. Now, do the Ravens need a comp, need another complimentary piece to go next to Hollywood Brown like a Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith out of Alabama? You damn right they do. You damn right they do. But as far as going out to get an Odell Beckham Jr. or an Antonio Brown, the Ravens aren't going to do that because they don't need to do that. It's just that damn simple, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said before, the less you spend, the more you win. The more, the more you spend, the less you win. I'm going to say it one more time. The less you spend, the more you win. The more you spend, the less you win. It's just that damn simple. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about Matthew Judon very quickly. And I've talked about Matthew Judon in previous episodes before, but I'm going to continue to bring this up until he shows up. These last four regular season games and the playoffs are going to determine Matthew Judon's fate. Bottom line, it's just that damn simple. Matthew Judon, in the three biggest games of the season, I'm not counting the Pittsburgh Steelers game this this uh, uh, last last Wednesday. I'm not counting that game because he didn't play in that game. But in the three biggest games of the year, against Tennessee, against Pittsburgh the first time, and against Kansas City, Matthew Judon has one sack. One sack in all three of those games. If Matt, bottom line, like I said before, if Matthew Judon is not going to get paid by the Ravens. If he shows up against Philadelphia, against Cincinnati, or against Jacksonville, and he has four and a half to five sacks in all three of those games combined, but he doesn't show up in the play, but he doesn't show up against teams like Cleveland or offensive lines like Cleveland and Tennessee and and Kansas City and Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Matthew Judon is going to get the big-time contract if he shows up against, or, or the semi-big-time contract against uh, when, when he shows up against a Pittsburgh, against a Tennessee, against a Kansas City. That's where Matthew Judon's big money is going to come in. Now, if he does not show up, if he does not show up against those teams that I just mentioned, he's more than likely going to probably get overpaid somewhere else, and he and don't get me wrong, he's going to get what the market, he's going to get what the market shows that he should probably get, but he's probably going to get overpaid. But the Ravens, like I said before, the Ravens are not going to pay him what he feels he's worth if he does not show up in these big games. He's not. He's already, he's already barely shown up in three of the biggest games of the year. If he continues to not show up Obviously, Matthew Judon is going to be out of here. Now, in my opinion, I don't believe he's going to be be here next year anyway. That's just what I believe. I believe he's probably, me personally, I believe he's probably going to get overpaid somewhere else. But then again, that's just me. But like I said before, in order for Matthew Judon to get the big time contract or to get the to get the board, in order to get the semi big time contract, the four to five year deal instead of the three year deal, Matthew Judon got to show up and he has to show up against Tennessee and against Kansas City and against Pittsburgh. 
if he does that, the Ravens will bring him back. If not, he's going to be gone. It's just that simple. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. But this, but 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 with this, this is something to think about. It's going to be a little bit different. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Obviously, you know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. But here's a twist to this. I'm not going to leave you with a scenario. I'm going to leave you with a question. This is this is this is going to be a would you rather question. Obviously, we talked about the Ravens receiving core earlier on in the show, and I and I and I explained to you guys why the Baltimore Ravens don't necessarily need a number one wide receiver to win a championship. Here's my question to you guys. Here's my question to you guys as Ravens fans or just football fans in general. Would you rather have a receive a receiving core without a big time wide receiver and win a championship with that receiving core or have a receiving core with a boatload of with a boatload of weapons on it like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for example? And not win a championship. For me, I would rather go, and this is just me, I would rather go the route that Pittsburgh has gone and that Baltimore has gone, where you draft, you draft, you draft, and then you sprinkle in a veteran free agent here and there, and that will eventually lead you to a championship. Because and, and I say I'd rather go with that recipe because it's worked. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just throwing this question out there to you again. The question is, would you rather have a receiving core without a big-time number one wide receiver and win a championship with that receiving core? Or would you rather have a receiving core with a boatload of weapons like, for example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and not win a championship? I know what I'm taking. I'm taking the first question. I'm taking the first option. That's just me. But ladies and gentlemen, next up, finally, my, my week 14 prediction, Monday night football. This coming Monday night, the Baltimore Ravens take on the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns 9-3, Ravens 7-5. The Baltimore Ravens need this game to stay in the AFC playoff picture. We all know the Baltimore Ravens absolutely blasted the Cleveland Browns earlier on in the season, 38 to six. Lamar Jackson showed how vintage he, how vintage he could really be. The Baltimore Ravens showed up, played well. The Ravens are getting healthy at the right time. And in my opinion, I believe this game will be close. This game will be physical, and I believe this game will simply come down to which quarterback makes the crucial mistake first in this game. Whichever team's quarterback makes the crucial mistake in this game first, and whichever team gets their running game going first will win this game. I believe this game is going to come down to this. I believe both teams will will try to run the ball and try to run the ball heavy. But I believe this game will 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 start to look like this. Cleveland Cleveland and or Baltimore will try to pound the football, pound the football. You'll see Cleveland and Baltimore rush for three, four, five yards a carry. And I believe that this game will come down to which team can have that 40, 45 to 50 yard breakout run that will, that will, that will catapult this, will, that will catapult that team's running game 
to to the level of to the to the level of okay, it's gotten to a point in that game where the defense just can't stop it. That's that's where I believe this game will end up. This game will end up where one of these teams, one of these teams' offenses has to has to has to break off a 50 60 yard run for that offense to really get going. And this game is also going to come down to like I said before, which team's quarterback turns the football over first. And also one of the major things about this game that is very very important, the Cleveland Browns on fourth down conversions, they are ranked in the bottom half of the league. That is not good. They're ranked twenty sixth. They're ranked twenty sixth in the league in fourth down conversions. I believe this game will eventually come down to Cleveland having to convert on fourth down in order in order to win this game. My Baltimore Ravens rank in the top ten in fourth down conversion in fourth down conversion defense, meaning that if Cleveland has to try to convert a fourth down in this game, more times than not. I trust my Baltimore Ravens to get off the field. And not only that, Cleveland special teams has been suspect all year, all year. So that's what this game, I believe, is going to come down to. Which team's offense, which team's rushing attack rushing attack can have that big 50, 60-plus yard run to break the game open? Which team's quarterback will can, will, can hold off making the crucial mistake? And can Cleveland convert? fourth down conversions in this game against that Ravens defense. But with that being said, I believe the Baltimore Ravens win this game 31 to 21. And the Ravens and the Ravens improve to 8 and 5, pushing Cleveland's record down to 9 and 4. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.